0: Seeing by Moonlight, a novel by M. F. Thomas and Nicholas Thurkettle, read by Thomas Viborg Thune. Purchase a copy of Seeing by Moonlight, visit Amazon or any online bookstore. 8. Andreas appreciated airports. They provided unmatchable opportunities to observe people how they dealt with stress and crowds, the strength and urgency of their bonds with family and loved ones. It was like looking through a catalogue. Sometime while Andreas had dozed, Alvin and Ivo had received information that Girl and her companion would be leaving Munich, and later that they would be flying to Leipzig, in a direction that Andreas already had a head start. This confirmed to him that others were observing. Andreas was not concerned by this. He was not being called upon to track, but simply to be in the vicinity as the twins could deliver him to carry out necessary errands. This did mean, however, that there was someone in the organization who could track her even when she made such sudden changes in plan and that seemed like useful information. Cast his eyes casually about the terminal, letting his mind drift to possibilities of throttling the young ticket agent with the dark pony-tailed hair, or taking the business traveller with the sallow face and setting him up to look as if he had drained his wrists in a bathtub. But the boarding doors opened, and Andreas focused his thoughts. Self-consciously, he set his jacket on an adjacent chair out of view, and slipped on a pair of reading glasses. Although his mild features usually allowed him to blend into the background, he felt it necessary to be more cautious with Elisa. She was perceptive, he could tell, and he had likely made an impression on her. Twenty-four hours had not yet passed since they had last met. And there she was. But she was in a wheelchair, with the man Alex walking alongside, concerned. She did not look obviously ill or injured, and in fact rode in the chair with an air of resignation. When they were fully out of the tunnel and in the terminal, she rose from the chair and thanked the attendants before proceeding. Andreas was relieved that she was well. How are you feeling? Alex murmured. He hoped to convey that he was asking Elisa about more than whether she was hungry or found the air too cool. Still not quite right, she confessed, though she walked straight and with poise. It is not noise, but a non-noise. Static, perhaps? There are gaps in the things I can usually take for granted. I felt similarly after the incident on the train, though it was not as pronounced. Probably still recovering from that attack. Have you thought about one of those pills? Nine. They are few and precious. I will use them only if the pain once again grows so bad. He took his hand and squeezed, for both our sakes. Alex caught her intonation perfectly. You noticed? Something funny is happening, isn't it? Alex thought he was going to have to revise his definitions of a lot of words before this was over, and funny was one of them. A red-faced man, with grey hair, sweating through a uniform a size too small, appeared out of an unobtrusive door and quickly strode in their direction. You are Elisa, he croaked. Elisa nodded, and not sparing breath for any other words, he grabbed awkwardly for their bags and made a gesture for them both to accompany him. What do you think this is? Alex asked as they strode down a dull hallway behind the uniformed man, still huffing with their small luggage. Elisa's expression was cloudy. The playful side that had emerged in their travels had been replaced, not by the strong professional he had first met, but by an air more grave and worried. She looked deeply pained, and Alex thought he could tell exactly how. It was the kind of pain that happened to a lot of people throughout their twenties, as life started presenting choices that weren't easy and for which every decision came with a cost. Each time it added a permanent layer of trouble to the spirit. It looked like Elise was feeling one of her first. She finally answered, her voice carrying her ongoing grey mood. This? I think this is just one of my uncle's surprises. She was right. A car and driver were waiting for them at the private hangar. The car's engine was already humming as Alex and Elisa approached. Alex thought about how hard he had lobbied and wheedled to get into his community in Mesa and realized that for all his aspirations, any status he had back home seemed ridiculous now. He felt more comfortable if he viewed his presence through the lens of her life, "'that he was with her, as a friend, companion. "'He had no word for this attuned thing "'that seemed to bind him more to her by the hour. "'Why didn't he just let us drive ourselves?' he asked. "'Immediately he thought it a petty way to accept such a gesture.' "'Elisa nestled into the wide, soft back seat. The question you should ask is how he knew we were at the airport in Leipzig. His face showed his embarrassment, like the only man in a movie theatre who didn't see the twist coming. You're right. How did he? He knew because he knows. Maybe the birds gave us away by song, or maybe he has friends at my bank or the airline. He wants to help us, Alex. It is his life's work to help us. Whatever else you may think about him, remember that. She took his hand, and the car pulled out of the hangar and drove towards a gated fence. The driver had not spoken a word, and Alex imagined that he never would. The land on the road outside Leipzig was a patchwork of farms patterns of fertile green rectangles dotted with the occasional small village. Alex watched it whip by while Elisa reviewed a folder of all documents and photos Philibert had provided for the trip. Unglaublich, she half-whispered as she turned a page. Alex turned, pardon? Elisa looked up coming back from somewhere deep in memory. I'm sorry, it means incredible. I have never seen these pictures before. She offered the folder for Alex to review. He saw aged color and black and white photo prints of children, children of all ages studying together, or posing with a teacher, or playing in the grass. You know these people? he asked. More than know them, they were my whole world for many years. This was my school, uncle's school. All the children who studied there lived there. She selected one picture from the pile and pointed at it. Here, this is me. He saw a young girl in a heavy coat, standing in the sunlight atop a grassy mound, grinning, arms wide, soaking up the power of her surroundings. A small breath of vapour was puffing out of her mouth, the photographer catching her in mid-exhalation on a crisp day. "'You look like a tiny queen,' Alex said, with only slightly shameless exaggeration. "'I was a queen,' Elisa replied with one of her formidable eye-flashes. "'And that was my castle, Grasberg. "'It's a medieval refuge.' No stones or towers, just rings of earth made from shovels and sweat, high up on a hill. We were there to learn about history. Was there a battle there? Doubtless there was. Not as we have records of it. This land was hoarded and fought over for a thousand years by petty emperors and counts, fattened lords claiming fortunes and grandiose titles because their great-grandfather had a good day in battle once, then watching it get squabbled away by jealous sons and bad marriages. Americans don't learn very much about Germany before this century. That history helps to explain it. The aristocracy got us into the first war, and without the poverty, desperation, the festering anger it left behind, the Nazis would have had nothing to exploit. Alex gave that some thought. Uncle met Hitler, Elisa continued, coloring her words with measured contempt. He said he was like most truly horrible men, enraged at the world for not letting him do the great good he thought he was doing. He approved the experiment that Uncle became part of, gave him every resource because he believed that true Aryans would be the ones blessed with the sense and this would help prove their superiority. The sense, that's what you call it? It is the most accurate word we have found. Alex had heard of this game where anyone could be six degrees from anyone else if you truly explored the connections. Still. He now knew someone who had met Adolf Hitler, a man so inflated by history as to be a kind of superhuman terror. It was as if Philibert Lore had met Medusa or Goliath or the Jabberwocky. But Hitler was a man, elevated and aged by other men and women, who had lived so recently as to still be in living memory. Alex thought about Philibert's trembling and spotted hand reaching out to pass him the hat for the game with Elisa. That hand had shaken Hitler's. And Hitler had supplied the man who made the machine that had just altered Alex's brain. This alone made Alex more urgently curious. This experiment was happening during the war? Just before the war... That's when the first version of the school was founded. Uncle was one of the first recruits, a star pupil soon promoted to teacher, he and his brother Gerfried. Another uncle? No, he was my grandfather, and uncle's twin. The sense seems to thrive in people with the genetic propensity towards twinning. Perhaps their natural awareness of each other turns outward. But I never met my grandfather. Uncle will only say that he was a sacrifice to the science. That's horrible. The experiments were killing people? I don't know. I know my uncle would never do such things. The Nazis ended their program when the war ended, and Nordhausen was destroyed by the Americans. Then, ultimately, claimed by the Soviets. My uncle took the good idea from inside that nightmare and let it flourish. What good idea? To find these truly gifted people and teach them to use their gifts. We were housed, fed, and taught with no tuition. Rich parents, poor parents, no parents. Uncle could not be bribed, cajoled, or threatened over what students he accepted. All that mattered was our potential. He worked and sacrificed, put his own fortune on the line year after year for this cause. Alex looked down the road at the mountains looming on the northern horizon. All I knew about Nordhausen yesterday was that they made tobacco. They do, and it is very good, but there is yet more to know. The car hummed inexorably along, carrying its occupants in luxury and comfort. A mile behind, another car followed the same road, with the twins Alvin and Evo in the front and Andreas in the back seat, sitting straight up with his eyes quick from the action of the day. The chauffeur was not the limit of Uncle Philibert's arrangements. He deposited Alex and Elisa right at a modest hotel in Nordhausen, with adjoining rooms already arranged. Seeing all this, Alex wondered that Philibert had given them freedom in that first leg at all, perhaps to see what the two of them would do alone, or perhaps simply to remind them that he was ultimately directing this journey. Or maybe he just bugged our car in Zurich, Alex thought to himself sourly. The choice of the adjoining rooms had put him in an acid mindset, and in spite of Elise's assurances, he didn't trust the old genius. Settled into his room, Alex refreshed himself and changed clothes before knocking on Elise's door. She let him in as she chattered on the phone in German her cadence decisive and authoritative. Business always needed tending, he thought, and allowed himself some private amusement, contemplating how he would explain the latest complications in the BMW transaction to that old golf-cheat Cal Gerachty. He sat down in a chair by the dresser to wait. She had obviously just showered, and her hair was knotted up in a towel. Her watchful eye-ring sat on the dresser near him. Curious, he picked it up. It was heavier than he imagined, made from some metal he could not identify, and up close he could see its true intricacy. The eye was tilted slightly, even worn. It would seem to look down from the hand. Down from the heavens? Surrounding it, on the band, were half-realized shapes. Clouds, the tips of trees, nothing fully formed. The suggestion was that the eye looked from somewhere between places. Elisa stepped into the washroom, still in conversation. Alex felt a great fatigue, and leaned his head back while his fist closed around the ring. He thought briefly and grumpily about his recent habit back home of sneaking afternoon naps, that this might be a sign of growing older, and then that thought suddenly receded and disappeared. In the hallway, outside the room, the carpet was lit, as if under surgical lights, every color vivid, every fibrous detail bright and visible to study. Slowly the view drifted backwards, as if he were rising straight up to the ceiling, and a man in a poorly fitting uniform, coughing nervously, pushed a wheeled tray down the corridor. "'Alex!' Elise's voice plunged into his mind, like a weight dropped into the ocean. Suddenly she was in front of him, shaking him as he found himself back in the chair." He looked at her, confused, and all he could say was, Lunch. At that moment there was a knock at the door. Fraulein? Mittagessen, Fraulein? Lunch? Elisa looked back at Alex. For the first time since he had met her, she seemed to be the one shocked right out of herself. She looked over to the dresser, then down to Alex's hand. She grabbed his wrist and opened his palm and saw the ring there. She took it back and slipped it on her finger. Then she put her hand on his shoulder, looked at him with a torn expression and finally leaned towards his ear. Don't tell uncle about that just yet, she whispered before going to answer the door. Old buildings neighbored new buildings throughout Nordhausen. Uncle Herbert told Alex during the prior night's phone call that the city had been heavily bombed because of a rocket factory there. Still, it was the pre-war buildings that exerted the gravity, making their newer cousins feel like intruders, strangers sitting down by a fire surrounded by old compatriots. The school identified only by a small plaque reading Lor Fogler Kinder Academy, sat behind a stone wall in a converted church. Elisa traced her fingers across the stones, letting them remember for her. Alex could feel the fulfillment radiate from her and knew that this must be the sense of homecoming, the overwhelming balm of returning to the ground where you sprouted. It had been described to him often, without him ever truly understanding it. Children were at play in the yard, ranging from four to five, up through young teenagers. Elise's arrival seemed to grab many of them. They stopped their activities and turned to approach her. Alex didn't know whether she was a familiar face or if she was drawing them to her the aura that was coming on, around her catching more and more of those who could see it. Moths to the light, Alex thought. Was he jealous that they encircled her and looked at her with such profound fascination? Or was this sudden dark impulse one of caution, a reminder of the danger Elise could be with this? Philibert's word was appropriate. Magnetism. Whether she read his doubts or not, she turned her head in that moment and dazzled them away with a smile. Come, I was going to show you around, but let's let them do it. The children seized her hands and drew her away. Alex followed, a man walking alone. Eventually, the adults of the academy found them and warmly embraced Elisa in welcome. He tuned out their reminiscences, and looked around the rooms of the two-story rectory that had been converted into offices, classrooms, and a dormitory for the children. It was as though each normal thing was set off by something strange, and Alex didn't know if it was German culture, of which he knew only what his mother had passed down, The nature of private schools, he was a product of American public schooling, or the secret and special gifts the Kinder Academy was designed to promote. In nearly every room he saw something that didn't seem to belong. Often it was some device that bore the hallmarks of Philibert's design, that recipe of vintage technology, ancient markings and materials, and mystery of purpose. This teaching, he asked Elisa when she was at last free from her conversations, how does it work? What do they do? For most of the day, it is a normal school. Language and mathematics, and sciences and history and athletics. But much more art, so much beautiful painting and drawing. We would paint each other's pictures every day. We learned... To truly see each other, to find the patience and stillness, to let the fuller sight of someone emerge, to know their daily moods and patterns. Uncle's machines can help refine and direct what is already there, and we have other tools to strengthen it. But the art is what coaxes it out, lets it blossom in the sun. Alex suddenly had the image of cave painters trying to capture the essence of a thing with flat pigment on ancient stone. Determined to. Maybe this power was truly a natural thing, the extension of an impulse inside every person to truly know with every sense possible. Was it possible to discover and unlock new senses by sheer need? And could this need to know Be called a necessity on the level of feeding, fighting, and fleeing, those primal urges that drove evolution. Two staff came and politely directed them to follow. Sometimes children would brush by them in the hall. And Alex met every look with a smile. There was something about them he could recognize. He thought back to that little boy on the airplane, that sense he had, then, of immediate affinity. Was it too much coincidence to wonder if that boy could have been candidate for this school? Alex continued this pleasant track of conversation as they walked. So, this is how you ended up studying art history? Yes, great artists dazzle me in their own way They see even further than you or I, or are barely aware that they are doing it. I have seen portraits that are truer than the skins of the people in them. So why America for college? Uncle suggested it. He felt, especially since this was an old church, that the school threatened to be much like a cloister. He wanted me to see the world with my own eyes, learn my own lessons about it. Alex was encouraged by this. Philibert's doting relationship with his beloved niece bordered distressingly on puppeteering. Any sign that he would consent to let her grow into herself was admirable. And, with helpless self-regard, he had to ask, And what did you think of America? She took his hand. Mad. Horribly, wonderfully mad. The staff led them to an archive room, where presumably Elise's folder of photographs originated. This was obviously Philibert's destination for them. Elise knew little of the school beyond what she perceived as a child. What was she going to learn now? The row of black file cabinets looked impeccably organized, each drawer labeled with an old typewritten card. They went back for decades, all the way to 1945, presumably the first year of the school. If Elise's story of Philibert's altruistic intentions was true, that was an astonishing year to find such optimism in Germany. Elise was drawn to the student records. My friends, I want to see where they ended up. Alex, left to his own devices, drifted toward the earliest records, and pulled open a drawer marked 1945, Fotografie. The pictures showed the same old church buildings, the same garden and stone wall. Alex marveled at what the frame lines of the camera could hide, and he felt an ominous tension between the idyllic scenes and the devastation he knew existed in the world beyond the camera. And in the flip from one picture to the next, he felt a concussive wave blast through his consciousness. An instant galvanizing blow landed by something that couldn't possibly be, but also couldn't be denied. The folder fell from his suddenly senseless hands. Elisa looked up. Alex, what is it? His distress had impacted her before she even turned to look at him. But Alex was dumb. The pictures were on the ground, but his eyes were fixed on the space where they had been, as though whatever image had shocked him hovered there still, pinned to his vision. Alex! Elisa reached out and placed her hands on his shoulders from behind. She slid them up his neck, soothing, almost guiding his head, to turn away from whatever sight transfixed him. Finally, he accepted her coaxing, turned and met her gaze. That picture, he said. I've seen it before. Just a scrap of it. Baffled, Elisa retrieved the folder from the ground. Which? Alex didn't turn to look at it again. He didn't need to. The class portrait. All the children with the young teacher. I didn't know what it was. All I ever saw was a scrap. And I wasn't even supposed to see that. I was sneaking through her stuff. He took a deep breath and finally focused his eyes on Elisa. The little girl in the front row holding hands with another kid. That's my mother. Purchase a copy of Seeing by Moonlight. Visit Amazon or any online bookstore. Seeing by Moonlight, a novel by M. F. Thomas and Nicholas Thurkettle, read by Thomas Viborg Thune.